0: This is the Car Dealer podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budget and CarGurus piston heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Car Dealer podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose whose stories were best. I'm Rebecca Chaplin, Contributing Editor at Car Dealer magazine, and joining me today is Associate Editor, James Batchelor. How are you, Batch?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Becca. I, I like the way that uh, we immediately had to be parachuted in to do this uh, this podcast. It wasn't in my diary today, but I'm here anyway, and um, <laughs> it's great to be back.
0: Is that your way of saying I'm not quite prepared? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I, I got so we'll get onto it later, but I got slightly distracted by one of our stories, so I, uh, I feel a little bit unprepared. But well, we'll I haven't, I that haven't later. got, I haven't
1: got I haven't got an excuse at all. I mean I've been working solidly on Car Dealer this week and yet when it came round to prepping some stories for today's podcast I was like I don't know what we've written. I (laughs) I
0: don't know what to say Um,
1: but I think I'm prepped. So
0: Well at least one of us is. Joining us today is Matt Wigginton from Ben. How are you today
2: Matt? I'm good thank you. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: Lovely to have you here. What is going on at Ben at the moment then?
2: Well, I guess, you know, there's always a lot going on at Ben. Um, but I guess, you know, we're, we're seeing the industry hurting, I suppose. We're seeing people going through a tough time. I think, you know, everything that you guys are writing about, the cost of living crisis, plus the kind of just the general sense of um, poor wellbeing across the industry is, is having an impact. And I guess what we're seeing is more people reaching out to Ben for support uh, in a really wide range of areas. Uh, and more people reaching us at the point of crisis and I know last week we had Steve Whitton on who was talking about the work that the men able do in the, the kind of proactive mm-hmm. space as the as a way of getting to people before they before they reach crisis and that's really important And I guess you know we're kind of in the same space in terms of wanting to get to people earlier but what we tend to find is that people turn to us when they feel like they've got nowhere else to turn
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that shows no sign of uh of of changing really, I guess we're we're still seeing um a very large number of people reaching us. About fifty people a day calling Ben now for, for calling wow. the helpline, which is a staggering number. I think when I started at Ben in 2015, um we probably handled something like three thousand inquiries a year. We, we'll probably do fourteen thousand this year. Um, really, so, you know, that's that's a kind of a that's part of the fact that you know Ben's. Become better known over the past five or six years, um, and also because we've changed, changed what we do essentially. So, we're less of an old-fashioned kind of benevolent fund, which is, you know, in our catchy motor and allied trades benevolent fund name, um, but not really what we do very much anymore. So, a lot more of what we're doing really is is real kind of intervention stuff. Um, so, when people reach to reach out to us with whatever issue they're facing, and it could be something. Um, that feels minor to most people, but could be just stopping them from moving forward or it could be something really serious. Um, but what we tend to do now is, is kind of get involved a bit more, so rather than giving people cash to support their issues, we still do that to some degree in terms of benevolent grants and things like that. But most of what we do is about providing services, um, and as you might expect, a lot of that is around mental health, um, intervention, counselling, uh, therapies. Um, but also around kind of supporting people with um with financial concerns and helping people to to overcome challenges and move up move on
1: Matt um I, I remember uh, talking to your colleague Rachel Rachel yeah. Clift, the health and well-being director um yeah. uh, and that was during 2020 I mean it was I think it was in the middle of the of the first lockdown if if, yeah. if we can go right back to then and I mean, are we still feel. Well, are you still feeling the effects of um, the fallout from COVID? Are you still hearing from a lot of people that they're still struggling with with uh, issues and, and problems that they encountered during that that dreadful time nearly three years ago?
2: Yeah, I think we are. Batch. I think we're. What we're seeing is, um, you know, you hear a little bit nowadays of people talking about long COVID, particularly in the NHS. Um, nobody can quite put their finger on what that really means, but. It really is the kind of long-term effect of people having gone through COVID in its various forms. And that manifests itself in a number in a number of ways. We're seeing people reach out to us with um with you know more chronic health conditions, um, debilitating health conditions and things, particularly around breathing, um, and turning to us for help because they, they can't get that support elsewhere. I guess we're also seeing the impact on mental health of COVID. Um, you know, I think lockdown had its had a significant impact on people, I guess probably not at the beginning when most people were furloughed and being paid to be at home. Um, That probably felt like quite an interesting time for most people, but certainly as it dragged on, um, the impact of COVID and and, and all the ways that was touching people's lives um, around the country, not just in our industry, but but more broadly, um, has had a real impact. And as people have started to kind of think about what the future looks like, how we kind of live with COVID and, and just move forward with it, I think, you know, that's that's still having an impa- impact on people's mental health as well as it is physically. So, I think Rachel and I are um, we're always on the same page. We're a bit like Holly and Phil. We're kind of work a couple, <laughs> and we we kind of we always say the same kind of things. I think you know we we feel that we'll still see we'll still see this for a couple of years yet, whilst people start to understand what's going on and learn more about how it's had an impact on the long term.
1: Yeah, and with yeah. that. Their- yeah, and, and not only that, but of course, I mean, it's, it always seems to be one issue after the other, but particularly at the moment, you know, people are, are struggling to with their finances as well. So that must be a um, frequent sort of concern that you hear on the hotline.
2: Yeah, I guess, I mean, you can broadly say that Ben's caseload, if you want to call it that, so that the type of things that people turn to us for is broadly split between kind of mental and physical health, about 50 percent, and financial concerns, about 50 percent. Um, and clearly these things are not independent, they're all interconnected. So, you know, we've just done some, uh, we do a wellbeing survey every year and we just, I'm just looking at the results now actually. And um, things like stress and poor sleep and low mood and feelings of anxiety are all connected to something else. They're rarely an independent uh, output. They normally can, you know, people will be losing sleep over money. They'll be losing sleep over relationship problems, um, you know, mental health concerns, you know, they're, they're all connected. Um, and actually, you know, the, the, the cost of living crisis, which feels like it's a bit fueled by the media. I don't know about you, but um, if you've been out to a restaurant any time in the last month, they don't <laughs> feel very quiet. No, yeah. no. And it's a bit strange, isn't it? So I guess that's confusing to people. I guess people are seeing, you know, bills at home, energy prices and other things, cost of fuel all going up, uh, the cost of food with inflation and everything else, and, but then going out and when they're wandering around the shops, they're, they're kind of seeing a different picture. and. I'm probably spending differently as well I don't but that's clearly having an impact on people.
1: Mm. I, I'm actually struggling to get into restaurants at the moment it's uh it's mad <laughs> it's that how privileged does that sound but, uh, well, but I it's true though, is, isn't I don't it?
0: don't
2: know what it says about you that people don't want you in a restaurant. Yeah but. I was going to say
0: that's just down to how much you've eaten over Christmas it's fitting through the door that's the problem.
1: Oh uh, well thank you for that Matt that's very
2: very <laughs> nice of you thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I was just, just going to add, the kind of the, the biggest thing that we're seeing at the minute, I suppose, and the biggest, the biggest thing that came out of the research that we did. And we do the we offer, we do the survey against a national a national sample. So, what's really telling is that you know, in the UK and the UK broadly, the main population, one in six employees has an issue managing their mental health. In the automotive industry, that's one in three. Wow. So broad twice as many people in our industry are struggling with mental health compared to the rest of the population. So whilst we spend a lot of time saying, you know, these things are not unique to the automotive industry. Well, some of them are. Some of them really are. And they're having a massive impact on on individuals and um, the way they're, they're feeling at home and at work uh, and the way that then has an impact on uh, on the work they do and their output and their performance. And that that kind of leads us into a whole load of other things, doesn't it? So if you're, if you're performing badly, I know Steve was talking about this last week, if you're performing badly and you end up in a situation at work, that's going to drive all sorts of other issues as well, isn't it? So, as I say, everything's connected.
0: Mm. Do you think that's just the high stress of the industry that makes it? What's different?
2: So, yeah, I guess it's interesting that um, a similar proportion of people, again, one in six in the UK and one in three in automotive say that their, um, the workplace has a direct negative effect on their mental health which is quite telling but what is interesting you know try and to get a stat for you because I think it is really quite telling and this is one about how um how things have shifted uh in the workplace because actually the is uh, I guess high workload not enough staff work life balance targets the number of hours things like that are still up there with the thing as the things that um that are causing people the biggest issues mm. but actually uh, and sleeps, poor sleep's increase and things like that. Toxic workplace culture, unusual to turn the phrase, but um, mm. it was in the survey previously, has gone down by 9%. Right. So it's not necessarily the workplace, it's what's going on, as you say, it's what's going on mm. in the workplace. It's longer hours, it's the targets, it's the pressure. And I think also there's that that associated concern with people wondering, you know, what the hell's going on with agency and Chinese manufacturers and, you know, pricing and, you know, manufacturers changing their portfolios where, where's their future in automotive what does that look like how do they you know where's their, when where does their security come from and mm. I guess that's how too.
1: yeah that's that's a that's a really interesting point Matt because you know a lot of dealers at the moment obviously in the franchise space you know they've been working very well they've got a, a loyal team of of employees and what have you and then with, with then agency comes along and and then it's almost like what they've been doing they're being told it's not right anymore Mm. and uh, somebody else can do it a lot better and um, I mean that that must have an effect on your mental health mustn't it because you know one moment you're doing a good job and then the next minute you're told well actually um, we think we can do it better and um, you're going to have to change jobs.
2: I guess it's you know in the end everyone's driving efficiency aren't they in one way or another. Um, you know, everyone's trying to turn a profit. Everyone's trying to run a, run the most effective business and the best return on investment. Um, and I don't know. Have we, has the industry been insulated from that? Well, it, certainly in the last couple of years, when you've seen some of the performance of certainly the the the, the profit performance of some of the bigger groups, um, they've had a fairly good time. And I suspect the individuals working in the industry have, have probably enjoyed enjoyed a similar time in terms of bonuses as well. Um, but actually, it is. I always remember. Um, you know dash is a trustee dash gupta is a trustee of ben and he always says to, says to me everything in the automotive industry is cyclical you know you go through a good time and then five years later it's terrible um, and actually I, when you look back at the history of ben which kind of is this potted history of the motor industry for the past 100 years or so um it shows exactly that it shows exactly that
0: mm. yeah i guess um, i was thinking that when you were saying it you almost need to be able to go with the flow don't you but yeah really what always what people want to it's difficult sometimes isn't it to just float along when times are hard but as you say things are cyclical and they might feel bad at the moment but they'll definitely get better and vice versa
2: I think there'll be opportunities won't right, Rebecca I think the you know the industry is changing that's for sure but it's always changing mm. uh, and I just wonder whether whether the opportunities are being spelled out well enough you know, to oppress season and to, to to you know in order to get people into the industry I think if you see an industry in turmoil or an industry where people are not really enjoying their time there um, that's having an impact on on people coming into the into the sector. Um and what we really need is is a bit more clarity around what the future looks like. And I know that's tricky with government policy and everything else. And Mike Halls would, would, would spell that out far better than I do. Um but what we need is some real kind of sense of stability or a sense of direction for the industry and what the UK automotive industry looks like, um, without the Daily Mail banging on about every failure all the time and everything that doesn't quite work out. It needs some positivity and some um you know, some enthusiasm and a bit of bravery in terms of thinking about what the future looks like for people in the industry. Mm. Um to give them confidence to invest their time and their future in it. Um rather than, you know, looking outside the industry and, and and seeing this kind of, you know, the great resignation is something that I don't really subscribe to, but certainly people are, are leaving the industry to go elsewhere. Um and maybe that's because of this kind of instability. And that that then drives mental health concerns and and people feeling vulnerable.
0: Mm. i i'm sure we're going to get onto this more as we carry on through the podcast um so i'm going to stop you there and we will crack on with the car dealer quiz here is how it works Batch and I have both chosen our five favorite stories that have appeared on car dealer this week and we don't know what each other have chosen we're going to take it in turns to reveal each story and have a chat about each at the end our judge Matt has the final say on who is the winner and if you t- enjoy today's show do make sure that you leave us a review wherever you are listening I won last week so I'm gonna go first if that's yeah. okay Batch that was said very proudly <laughs> i know i sort of doubted myself after i said it but i'm pretty sure i
1: did win go for it it's fine you go for it go on uh, steal all my stories go on
0: <laughs> i'm gonna start with uh the news that kazoo has sold kazana Oh, for heaven i hate so. going for a kazoo story first but <laughs> uh, this, I, this is my story of the week like undoubtedly my story of the week Yeah. um because it just like how long ago were we talking about it was longer ago to be fair than i thought it was september 2021 um when we were like oh my god kazoo has bought kazana yeah. um and just over yeah that is that's like 18 months or something isn't it on we're talking about them being sold um what you would think is again a profitable useful business for them um but i they did say in their release that they would still be able to get the benefits of it whatever that means whether they've some done some deal where they're going to be able to use them for free or something still or whether they just had to pay for it like everybody else um but i don't believe we know who's bought it yet which is what no. i think is the no. most interesting thing
1: No, well unsurprisingly i've got this written down on my list as well um but you're right i remember i remember covering this story when it broke and it was a real shock wasn't mm. it um you know we had a good relationship with kazana they'd um rupert Pontin, would frequently come on Tar dealer live and um it, it was great and then then kazoo bought them
0: and a lot of people lost their value. jobs
1: and a lot of people lost their jobs yeah and i i do remember the shock value of this but also i remember thinking at the same time it made sense didn't it i mean mm, kazoo is yeah. obviously in the business of selling uh used cars and having a, a data firm giving you fantastic data on the used car market um goes hand in hand it makes a lot of sense doesn't it but uh, as is you know we've we've got we've come well we've become used to this haven't we almost immune to this mm. uh constant news story of kazoo's bought something one minute and then is uh, rapidly disposing of it in the next so um I have to admit I, I wasn't surprised when uh, when this broke this week, really. Mm. Um what 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 do you think, Matt? Is it uh, a bit of a was the whole buying of Kaz- um Kazana a bit of a shock or is the selling of it
2: more of a shock to you? Um I think probably the more surprising in buying it than selling it. I think they're they're trying to unravel as much as they can, aren't they? And I think that'll continue to feel column inches on your site and in your magazine for some time yet. Um mm. or it'll come to an abrupt end, but you know, they saw their Italian business the spanish business the you know the German subscription business has gone um I suspect they're under an enormous amount of pressure to to rein that business back into something that might be anything approaching profitable um but you can imagine can't you that um that they they look at businesses like you know like Cox and auto and they see the strength of data and what it can do for the business and 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 in terms of driving revenue and you can see they've probably put an eye on that as a way of, um, of of kind of taking a leap forward but Whilst you're trying to batten down the hatches elsewhere and and you know and protect the rest of the business from crumbling, I don't know how much uh, how much focus you can give to a business like Kazana that mm. probably needs quite a lot of work in terms of uh, integration and, and things like that. And you know how much how much of their expertise can they really have gained over that time for them to be able to use to go forward? It's a bold statement, but I guess they um, feels a bit like they're with the best respect to everyone at uh, at uh, Kazu feels like they're clutching at straws a little bit.
0: I think they're um when we get their results for this period it's going to be interesting because we obviously don't know how much we know how much they bought these things for. we don't know how much they sold them for, mm. but we are going to be able to see what the total of those disposals were um yeah, and it's probably, Did, probably going to be quite high.
1: Well didn't kazoo say that um the sale of Kazan <laughs> is going to have no, effect on its um next set of results I don't think I've made that up I think no um, I think
0: that's right but what yeah. does that really mean
1: well exactly yeah I know um so yeah can't can't wait to see those results
2: <laughs> you and everybody else I think <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's terrible isn't it it just is yeah. the hot story at the moment because everyone is just waiting for what's going to happen next and it's a bit like EastEnders isn't it
1: yeah, yeah, and it's not just us covering it. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to 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 plug and to build James ego's James Baggett's ego up any more than it already is. But he was on, um, he was on Radio Four this week talking about the closure of the subscription business. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's hitting national headlines. And um, you know, the more it hits national headlines, the more people are going to feel less comfortable about buying. A used car from them, aren't they? Um, perhaps that's mm. a bit of general, a general, generalised thing to say, but um, you know it's hitting the headlines all the time, kazoo, isn't it? So the
2: mm. wrong reason. It's a shame because you want something like that. You want a new idea to you know the industry needs innovation, doesn't it? You want it to succeed, um, but maybe just uh, they could have done a couple of car dealers in there helping them, can they? Mm. Yes, yes.
1: But well, I feel as though we're going down another kazoo rabbit hole here, aren't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We do it every week, but that's because there's always Sometimes. something to talk about, Kazoo, isn't there? Always.
0: Always. Anyway. Shall I move us on? Yes, move us on, batch.
1: Well, much as we like to talk about kazoo, we also like to talk about used car prices, don't we? And yes. um, so data came out this week, cap HPI. We had uh Darren Martin spoke to us. Um they're down. Oh, sorry, they're up one percent in February. Uh unsurprisingly, I suppose you could say. Um, Petrol cars, uh, the three-year point, they've risen on an average of 1.5%. Diesels were up 1.1%. And electric cars continued their tailspin. They dropped by 7.7% in February, the equivalent of just over £2,000. And there are some big price drops of electric cars, um, as much as 15% on some of them. For instance, the Tesla Model S down... £5,600. The Model X, £6,000. Audi e-tron, £3,700. So these are big numbers. Um, But the thing that keeps coming into my head about all of this is how much of this is just the market correcting itself. Um, I mean, that's the million dollar question in all of this really, isn't it? Um, But there's no doubt that, you know, some dealers, they really are steering clear of, of EVs because you know they they to put it bluntly they've got used to, to stocking cars that are going up in value over the past couple of years you know cars losing thousands of pounds hasn't really been the case for for quite some time has it so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this pans out over the next few months whether we're still going to be talking about massive EV price drops um sort of in the late spring early summer or or whether the narrative around evs is going to change one thing i do know is this narrative around evs at the moment is very very negative isn't it and um it doesn't i, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon though so um it's it's it, you know, th- this story is one to watch really
0: mm. it's a difficult one isn't it i was talking about it last week um and I just feel like eventually it's gonna it tips, it will tip over to this point where people go, Oh, EVs are a really good deal at the moment, used EVs. So I'm gonna go out and buy one, which I'm sure people are. If you watch the video with um Darren, he's he does say in it about how the price of a Tesla model three now is a, a very attractive price if you're yeah. if you're in the market for one. Um and actually looking at used car prices overall, they have gone up what is it 30% or something and so these got to even out as you say
2: I wonder who's going to want to stop them and take the risk on them mm. That's challenge well, isn't it so going to want to stock a used EV?
0: yeah
1: I mean you know it's a story we keep talking about we do hear from electric car dealers who say look you know there's nothing to worry about here mm. whatsoever but then we also hear from other car dealers who 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 specialise in a broad range of stock, and they say they're not touching EVs with a barge pole at the moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, how much of this is just is just the natural mechanics of of car sales, um, but or how much of this is something to <clears throat> to worry about? I think I'm more in the camp of it's just a bit of a market correction, and at some point this yeah. year, the, the, it'll it'll totally change again, and we'll be talking about the falling prices of diesels again, won't we? So.
2: Um, yeah, well I don't want to, I don't want to give away any confidence, but I was at an event a couple of weeks ago where I was sitting next to somebody um, uh, who knows the Tesla situation very well, uh, who was basically saying it's a market adjustment because they'd increased their prices so much during Covid mm. to slow to, to slow demand down. Um, and all they were doing was bringing them back down and basically taking those price increases out um, because they managed to get supply back back in line and and you know de- demand was lower and and things were looking a bit better um so they were just basically adjusting to to suit market conditions and and maybe they're doing that in a way that traditional oems don't um but they don't seem scared by it it wasn't elon sitting next to you, was it <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> i'd like to uh just for the weirdness factor yes um, you know uh but no it wasn't
1: okay well yeah, yeah one to watch i think well, i think something we'll probably be returning to this time next week
0: <laughs> yeah i um i sometimes think i should go back and listen to some of the older episodes where my opinion on evs is wildly different i just watched the this is a complete tangent but i was just watching the kazoo video um that's everyone featured in earlier last year i was going to publish it on facebook because i thought oh, people might want to watch this over the weekend and the opinions in it are so different just a few months on from uh, I was like I don't think this is actually I think this has aged quite badly
1: I know particularly my comments (laughs) I was thinking exactly the same thing the other day of you know that we filmed that about a year ago didn't we and and how quickly it's it's changed really so
0: Mm.
1: anyway we're back to kazoo how do we get back to kazoo I
0: know (laughs) (laughs) I know I know (laughs) um i oh, what am i going to choose i've chosen such a random selection this week um i am going to go with news from this is from close brothers Motor finance actually and it sort of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning but um saying that almost two-fifths of dealers fear going under without more government aid over rising energy costs i mean um i know we have sort of touched on this already but it's quite a worrying figure isn't it saying that What's that? 40% of dealers are worried they're not going to be able to operate anymore. Um and I just I don't know what you do at that point. I know lots of people all over the country are going through this where you just look at your energy bills and think, I don't know how I'm going to pay that. Like, it's just it's just crazy. But um I mean, as uh, looking at the wider picture, if even half of those went under, it's gonna drastically change how how the business looks
2: yeah yeah it changed the industry enormously won't it
0: yeah i don't know what you yeah. guys think about this well i'm realistic?
1: just I, well i think you're gonna to have to come back to me because i was just trying to find a tweet from from a, a the car dealer i bought my car from who put out a tweet saying how much his energy bills are going up by but i can't i can't find the tweet so you'll have to come back to me so <laughs> matt, what, matt what
2: do you think <laughs> so I, <laughs> nice feel well done um, so <laughs> my view I, I guess i'm going to come at it from a from a people perspective mm. i suppose um, well two let's do two so people this is again fueling the narrative that this is not the place for you to be um and making making people very twitchy um and i guess that's uh that's a challenge and i think you know will people find a different way to 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 finance vehicles don't know can they can they do that quickly is there an opportunity for somebody to step in and, and, and support it in a different way i don't know but um i think if i'm a you know, if I'm a salesperson in a in a retail dealership, I might be I might be getting a bit twitchy about what the, the future looks like in terms of um, the ability to sell vehicles. And if I'm running a smaller dealership group, I might be um, rushing to try and get rid of it. Um, certainly, at the time when some of the bigger groups are looking quite acquisitive, so maybe maybe there's an opportunity in there for for um, for some consolidation uh, for the people that, that that are more likely to be able to offer this kind of product.
0: Mm. Yeah, I can I guess as a salesperson, you could be quite easily given the boot just to pay to keep the lights on as well.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. And we know that energy. price. So, you know, then we've got three care homes and a retirement village. They're not motor dealerships, but they do use an awful lot of power and light. Mm. Uh, we've just been preparing our budget ready for sign off um, for our next financial year. And, you know, looking forward, whilst this, you know, this next year is pretty difficult. The prices are definitely coming down, and the contracts that you can buy into now are looking a lot more attractive than they than they were even six months ago. Um, so you know things are peaking, and things will get better from that perspective. Um, but you know if you start moving away from, you know, if your product range comes down and you you have less ability to um, to get customers through the door and transact, it's um, it's definitely going to be a challenge.
0: Mm.
1: Well I've singly failed to find that tweet. It, was, um, it would have added a little bit of colour to what you were saying but um, just put it this way it was it made my mouth drop when I read the increase their their, their, well, their latest bills so but anyway that's uh, the world's worst anecdote so there we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going to add before we move on oh, excuse me um they polled 77 dealers and found that 38% of them said their business will struggle. So that's like a big I know we we're talking about a smaller portion, yeah. but that's a big chunk of people they spoke to who came back and said we can't survive without this. Mm-hmm. Um and on top of that, 32% said high energy costs will be the biggest challenge they face during the next year. Mm-hmm. I just it never it never lets up for car dealers, does it? There's always something, but yeah.
2: And I doubt there's going to be much government support for forthcoming, is there? I think that's uh, they've 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 done what they can with that. I'm not sure there's going to be much more to come. Can't see anything on the road.
0: Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Mm. Do you want to move on? Do you want to try and redeem yourself after your failed tweet? Yes,
1: I shall quickly move on and ignore my failure to find (laughs) a tweet. Um, I'd like to talk about Nigel Mansell. Oh, yeah, you've probably got very high. Oh. Love have those. you got this on, if you got this on your list, no, well? I don't. Oh, okay, great. Well, um, Nigel Mansell. Um, if if people don't know, he and his uh, sons Leo and and Greg, they um run a fantastic little operation on uh, on Jersey. Um, it's called the Mansell Collection, and it, it houses the Mansell Museum, where you can go and see. Nigel's uh, 1992 uh, winning uh, Williams Renault FW14B if you if you if you want to go and see that and lots of memorabilia but importantly um in 2014 Nigel said we well, he, he announced that he was going to be taking a Mitsubishi new car and servicing franchise so this fantastic art deco garage in St. Helier in uh, Jersey um was 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 going to be selling Mitsubishis, and they've 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 been selling Mitsubishi's since then. A few years ago uh they also partnered up with Hyundai or sorry what, how do you pronounce it now? Um Hyundai. Hyundai, Hyundai. is it Hyundai? It's Hyundai, isn't it? I have no idea. Hyundai. Um <laughs> so they yeah they've had a Hyundai franchise as well. Um but unfortunately this week we heard that um they're dropping both Mitsubishi and and Hyundai um the main reason is um with Mitsubishi leaving the UK um and with and with COVID, loss of sales um they've had to close that and it's had a knock on effect apparently with with Hyundai franchise so so it's it's a it's, it's a sad story, really. The good the good thing about this story, though, is that the motorbike side of their business is thriving. Um, and uh, the, the the thing that the thing that got my head sort of going, really, is um, you know, there used to be a time when when racing drivers always had a new car franchise, didn't they? I mean, <laughs> I mean, famously. Uh, Fangio he used to sell Mercedes uh, I remember Derek Warwick he used to sell Hondas in Portsmouth I remember going to the dealership opening when I was about seven years old and meeting Derek Warwick it was a <laughs> wonderful moments in my life um, and uh, and of course Mansell himself I mean he sold Ferraris and TVRs uh, in the 90s as well yeah. so there was a time where if you were a racing driver it was just sort of a rite of passage wasn't it you also had a a thriving car dealership business, and that doesn't tend to happen these days, really, does it? And I, I don't know why. Is it because racing drivers aren't interested in selling cars, or I don't know? I don't.
0: You know. Couldn't really see Lewis Hamilton buying into <laughs> no. a
2: Mercedes
0: retail, having a Kia franchise,
2: for yeah. example. Yeah. No, no. Or a Funky Cat. I can't see it. Do you think it's because they're earning significantly more money than they used to, and now it just wouldn't <laughs> be worth?
1: I think it. I think you're probably right, and also I think. You know we all know racing drivers have changed a lot, haven't they? I mean, you know, back in sort of Mansell's and Derek Warwick's day, you know, these were people, you know, who, who worked really hard and they then they became racing drivers. Whereas now it's the makeup of a racing driver is very different, isn't it? And uh you can't imagine, I mean, you know, for instance, I mean Frank Sitner, didn't he? I mean, he sold cars and then he went into motor racing. So it's yeah. it's an entirely different sort of um thing these days isn't it I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a shame really I think I would mm. I think you're right Matt I would like to see Fernando Alonso selling Aura Funky Cats. I think that would be <laughs> hugely fun wouldn't it? <laughs> Amazing. You can the
2: social media can't you? <laughs> oh.
1: media. But no, Becca you've met Nigel I've met yeah. Nigel Mansell as well but you actually went to the, the Mansell collection didn't you? Yeah I was
0: going to say it's the highlight of my career and usually John Bowman includes the pictures of me with him together. And I was 23. So I just, that's also a highlight of my career. Is I had photos <laughs> taken of myself when I was 23. Um, but I just remember he, so I flew over to Jersey and he picked me up from the airport um, in a Mitsubishi um, Outlander FEV. And I just remember him telling me about how he could drive it as fast forwards as he could backwards because of, you could do it on the, it just does it on the EV backwards yeah um and yeah it's just like the most fantastic day I've still got the you won't be able to see it I sold my mini recently but I've still got the key ring gave me a little sign things so he's just the nicest bloke in the world so I was a little bit sad that they got rid of it because I just remember that being such I just like to reminisce about stories Carvana, <laughs> Nigel Mensell um but yeah just that absolutely fantastic bloke and the fact that he decided to open a Mitsubishi dealership and it wasn't just to like just a little add on it was like an absolutely fantastic showroom um so yeah fingers crossed for Fernando Alonso though I absolutely adore him as well I'd love to go interview him perhaps
1: perhaps perhaps if if Toby Marshall who's the new managing director of GWM Aura UK if you're listening uh, Toby, <laughs> please do reach out to Fernando and we will we will help you what, what I'm trying to think of it. This is
0: my these are my really um crap anecdotes. But I've so I've met Nigel Mansell opening a Mitsubishi dealership. I'm sure you've got some great ones, these as well. Um Daniel Ricardo opening an infinity dealership at um Westfield, isn't it? Uh, that was a highlight of my career. We laughed at a joke together. That was like we didn't even really talk properly, but I said something we both laughed and oh my god, I still I still live I've on never that. Never again um Vettel at a conference about Shell oil very <laughs> exciting um I think that's it
1: no I've, I remember uh, I, I met Felipe Massa at a, Fer- a HRO in Ferrari and um oh. I say met it was my our eyes caught each other across a crowded room and that was it <laughs> yeah. that was it that's all
0: you can really hope for there's these like bodyguards around these people aren't they yes. you can't really get too close
1: I know. I did meet, meet R. Nigel to the uh, I was hosting the Road Safety Awards um, oh, many, many years ago. Yeah. And Nigel's a patron of that. And so I met him there. He was lovely. Yes. He was uh, lovely. But my dad also, sorry, so we're going down to have a complete enough to rabbit. I
0: love here. these sort of stories, though. They're just so random, aren't they? But, to go through. And we like these people at the most dull events. <laughs>
1: I remember my dad met Nigel Mansell he when Nigel Mansell wrote his autobiography he was obviously going touring the country going to different Waterstones and signing books and my dad queued up for hours at the one in Southampton and uh, my dad had grown his tash my my dad always had a tash but he grew his tash especially to meet Nigel Mansell and he he was desperate to meet Nigel and to compare tashes and uh, Nigel was signing the book. And my dad said to Nigel, what do you think to my Tash, Nigel? And uh, Nigel just looked at it and said, Who, who's qualified on pole for the, whatever Grand Prix it was? And my dad said, well, I don't know. And Nigel said, OK, right, next. <laughs> uh, my dad was really upset. He was really upset because he's grown this Tash especially. Oh. But there we are. There we are. We I'm going to just think of my to final
0: it. stories quickly, of course. I can't forget Sterling Moss. I'm pretty sure at the Used Car Awards. Yeah,
1: WMS. Was w, WMS, wasn't it? Ben, yeah.
0: I can't forget Ben Collins as well, because he'd be upset about that. Um, <laughs> and Johnny Herbert at the Workshop Awards presented. Of course. Yeah, because he was um, brand ambassador for that
1: that weird four by four. They, they um, converted Porsche Cayenne's, didn't they? Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't remember. Weird company? <laughs> come back to me on that i'm going to go and do some research i was going
0: to say but johnny herbert having a dealership would be a much more realistic i think anyway yes Give um oh yeah Matt. it's my it's sorry my, sorry Matt. <laughs> I just, yeah if you have it's any nice. other weird and wonderful weird meat, cute things with famous people at dealerships i'd love to know about it because i just i just think they're amazing um i, I found, would... it. I found oh. it
1: i found it i found it This was about 10 years ago, it was called the Eternity. It was a super SUV, it was based on the Porsche Cayenne. And um, they launched in Frankfurt in 2011, British, I think it was a British company, I'm not entirely sure, I can't remember. And they had Johnny Herbert as their brand ambassador. And I think, I can't remember whether I spoke to him or or it might've been James, I can't remember. But it was a big story at the time. I do not remember that at all. Whatever happened to the Eternity (laughs) Hemera. Goodness only knows.
2: I've just googled it, and hopefully, it's been consigned to the scrap heap. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think they ever made a car. Although I, 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 I'm very fearful that Eternity's lawyers may get in touch if I say anything bad about.
2: Her. Well, I can say it looks like a Ford Focus with funny scoops on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, let me Google this as well. We'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget? and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz.
1: So there we are, goodness me. Right, please save us, Becca, please.
0: wow! Well, I don't know if this is going to save us, but um, I'm going to go for something completely different, um, which is news out today about AI-aided browsers could change how customers search for cars online. Um, this has come from iVendi, completely forgot what they were called then. Um, I know AI is just something everyone keeps talking about at the moment. It's probably very boring, but... Um, I, I just think it's quite amazing, and I do think it's going to change the way we search for things. I think people are already becoming more I mean, I don't think when people talk about people ordering cars on Alexa, um sorry if you're listening to this in your house and she's just piped up. um but I do think this is going to change the way people search, say they because you could so much easier you could go to chat whatever it is GPT and say what I'm looking for, a seven seater blah, blah blah, what should I buy? Um, I just I I think this could change things what do you think I'm going to start with batch what do you think you're going to say you love the analog buying process
1: um well I, I hate to sound really ignorant but I, I'm sort of I don't really understand how it's all going to change everything I really don't and, and 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 also how chat AI has suddenly become something everyone's talking about isn't it I mean it's everywhere isn't mm. it um but I'm I'm sort of weirdly ignorant I'm I'm not I'm sort of I don't really know how it's going to change everything um I'm prepared to be <laughs> educated on all of this really I mean how how can it change the buying process I don't know
0: because well I mean I this is my theory is that it's you can the you can talk to it in a more engaging way and I know we've sort of had chatbots and things but it it talks very naturally if you haven't had a go you should go i mean when when you can actually get onto it um because it's usually down because so many people are trying to use it but instead of saying i'm looking for like you go to google and type in blue ford fiesta people could search for um i need a car with a boot that can fit x liters in it which you can't really do very well at the moment unless you yeah. go to some weird list of listicle thing that's come from some website is usually out of date etc etc um and i mean this is the problem with these with chat gpt i think james was telling me the other day that that's it's actually taking data from last year or the year before or something so you can't really rely on it at the moment but you can ask it questions which are more and get like a proper long answer like i'm sure you've seen the story about the guy who had his um um he was trying to argue a permit, a ticket for a fine. Yes. And he wanted oh, to right. write it. I was talking to a car dealer the other day and I said, they were saying, Well, I don't know what you could do with it. And I was saying, Well, when a customer comes to you and says, um, I want to refuse my Range Rover, you can go, please write me a letter explaining why the customer cannot and you can ask it to do stuff like that. And it will write you a yes. um a letter explaining why it's not your fault that the warranty doesn't cover it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Which I just think is like un when people moan to me, I have used it to say, please, can you write a letter that will, then you don't have to, you can just swipe the aggro away. Okay. Get them to write it for you. I Ooh. wonder it's a, a real Go threat, ahead.
2: because who the hell's using Microsoft Edge? I oh, no. really? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Really? And Bing, and I know that they've invested, Microsoft have invested heavily in it and they've got real plans for it, but Google are way ahead of this sort mm. of stuff. Um, and I think, you know, may, will it make more people use Microsoft edge maybe and bing i mean if you try to use bing, it feels and use google before bing just feels like it's out of date but i wonder whether um i just wonder whether it might be i don't know just a different way of buying and i think you know in your article you're talking about how it gets around the, the middleman essentially you go from start, search straight to the dealer mm. um but i just wonder whether it it relies on certainly at the minute, it relies on the user putting in something that's sensible to deliver a result. And I think yes. that I don't know whether we can educate people quickly enough to or soon enough to to harness the power of it. Because I think I think like you, Becker, I'd be able to go Chat GPT and actually we'll fire all our fundraising marketers and um, you know, we'll write social posts in four seconds on Chat GPT um just if any of the team are listening we're not planning to do that it's not a consultation um but you know i think there are a lot of marketeers out there thinking holy crap this is going to change the world and it maybe it will maybe it will um but i think there's a load of work to do before people really understand how to maximize it rather than saying i don't know um not criticizing your search terms there becca about finding a car with a big boot that i can fit my dog in or something like that but i wonder whether it's it's people searching for things for scenarios, or or AI actually kind of handling the the search criteria for you based on something that's a real kind of narrow prompt. I don't know. I mm. think it's uh, it's early days, isn't it? But it'll be interesting to see what happens, and we're keeping an eye on it for what it means for for us as well, because you know, can we use AI to to be more efficient and more effective? And I think if businesses can do that generally, that's a that's a good thing, as long mm. as it doesn't get a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think, and I'm just thinking about this as you say that. You know, when you go online and you have a problem and you want to be able to talk to someone, a little box comes up and says, talk to us, and you go on. I just think it's the most annoying thing in the world when you go on and you realise you're not actually going to talk to a person. Yes. Oh, yeah. our robot will help you. At least pretend yes. you're a person. Yeah. All
1: I want chat AI to do is when you go on a website, a car, a car manufacturer website, you know, you know this, these days it's fashionable now. For you not to be able to download a brochure, and if you yeah. do download a brochure, you've got to leave forty million pieces of of data, haven't you? Mm. To, and then you get contacted by the dealer saying, "Oh, Mister Bachelor, you showed interest in the Citroen C3." I say, "No, I was just downloading the brochure because your website is so useless. I just want, I just <laughs> want it to be able to give me a brochure and not be able to talk to anybody and make it nice and simple. That's all I want from
2: Chat AI. I don't say." if you can make uh, that happen i'm happy i'm in i'm in right? you can, i think you can make anything happen i've just whilst you've been talking about i've just um, asked it what's the best small ev car in the uk market for a farmer who needs to transport three pigs to market each week um because i think that's quite a random question um <laughs> oh God, basically come back saying when it comes to finding the best small ev car in the uk market for transporting three pigs to market each week there are a few factors to consider um it will need to have enough space to accommodate the pigs as well as enough range to cover the distance to market and back. So here are three options, uh, four options, sorry. The Renault Zoe, <laughs> the Nissan Leaf, <laughs> Fiat 500E and the Peugeot E208. Um,
0: it's not so... quite smart enough, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I, I, was,
1: I was going along with this until you mentioned the words
2: Fiat 500E. <laughs> so it says the Fiat 500E is a small stylish EV that offers a range of up to 199 miles on a single charge. Whilst it has a smaller boot capacity than the Zoe in the Leaf at 185 litres, it may still be possible to transport three pigs if they're small enough. Again, modifications may be necessary to ensure the pigs are transported safely.
1: What, another car? <laughs> that's 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 the modification, isn't it? A Volvo estate. That's what That's that that's what the modification
2: is. When you said
0: Renault Zoe, I thought, well, maybe you could get a trailer on that. And then, yeah, like when we got to 500, yeah, so that's it's definitely amazing. not
2: towing a trailer. The Zoe is not designed as a cargo vehicle, so you may need to make some modifications to transport the pigs safely.
0: A roof rack? I
1: don't <laughs> think you could get a piglet
2: into the boot of a Fit 500E. This is the human consumer pigs. test we need. <laughs> really, this is yeah, the stick of truth, isn't it, from car wow. This is. It this is. is, this, is where,
1: this is where I was going wrong when I used to do videos for Car Buy. I was putting suitcases in the boot. I should have been putting pigs, not nice. <laughs>
0: I just tried to see if it could tell me what was in the Range Rover Evoke brochure, um, and it said that it doesn't have access to specific marketing materials, uh, but it has given me a list of things that might be included, such as exterior design, interior features, performance and technology, customization offers, options, and lifestyle.
1: It's utterly useless then, isn't it? Yeah. I just want a brochure. I don't want any info about pigs, I just want a brochure, and it's failed. There we are then. Can we all stop talking about chat AI, because it's failed? Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: yeah well i think this is what um james chu agrees with what you said matt and he says well no one is taking seriously talking seriously about um google's grasp most part of the market ai does present represent first potential step change in online search technology for many years perhaps decades so we might be uh, far away from this but early days bring us back to something normal and cardio leary then
1: but. Okay, all right. It's something slightly more boring. Um, I've only got two stories left. Just, just. So Um. So this one is about um. Uh, use uh, it's this one's about uh savings on brand new cars. Um, it was uh what car uh, survey came out this week? Um, saying dealers are offering discounts of more than sixteen percent. That's one six percent on new cars. Really?
0: I haven't seen um, the story. So this yeah. Is-
1: yeah it caught my eye as well so yeah mystery shoppers from what car have been looking into the biggest new car discounts currently on offer the biggest discount can be found on the volkswagen artian um which had um wait a minute let me just scroll through the story it had a cash discount of 16.7 percent which equates to over six thousand pounds from retailers quite an extraordinary figure i do urge people to go and look at this story because it, it it's it's really quite interesting um even things like the new nissan cash guy which you know was the best-selling car last year you can get on average a cash saving of four thousand pounds on one of those um i think the reason why it interests me this story is i think there's a just a general assumption isn't there that there are no price discounts at the moment Mm. dealers don't have to slash prices to get buyers through the door because there's more demand than there is supply but but Perhaps this is one of the first signs that supply is returning in greater numbers than, than perhaps we we've been used to recently. I don't know what either of you think.
0: I'm with you. I didn't think there would be any discounts. I'm just trying to find the story. I am shocked by that.
1: Yeah. So it's um, yes. Number one the VW RT and cash guys at number two, Nissan Leaf. Zuki Vitara and the Peugeot 508. So, uh, yeah.
2: They're Excuse- quite big sellers, aren't they? They're not just, they're not, these are not just the ones they can't shift. I mean, these well, are, No, yeah. no, I,
1: aside from the Peugeot 508, I mean, the the other cars are all, especially the cash guy, I mean, you know, best selling car of last year. And, and yet there are some chunky discounts available.
2: Interesting seeing also in that story. um the the deposit contribution from dealers because i thought that was kind of a bit of a thing of the past as well mm. um but that fiat 500 1 liter mild hybrid with 2900 pound deposit contribution from dealers is a is a steal it's a decent it car is.
1: <laughs> it is yeah absolute steal so there we are so yeah perhaps things are perhaps returning to to the way things were i don't know but um an interesting one that caught my eye this week
0: mm. I guess I think people like to think they're getting a deal so I don't know I don't know I just I do find that shocking shocked
1: yeah Um, yeah, but I just I know it's a a massive assumption but everybody I've spoken to about buying a, a brand new car they've they've tried to do the whole Mike Brewer hold out your hand and and the dealer's just not interested because they know they can sell that car to to the next person and yet this this research would prove otherwise
0: so. i wonder how much of it is maybe manufacturer imposed well because i'm looking at the nissan leaf and nissan Kashkai one and having previously worked with them i know that they do these deals yes and they're like kind of constant rolling deals so maybe there is like hold out for those special deals and you might get one
2: yeah
0: mm.
1: interesting
2: Maybe you can um, use AI chat GPT to, uh, to write your script for negotiating in the dealership. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. I might actually start asking it to write me scripts <laughs> for phone calls, even if it could just like come up with intros. Like, hello, yeah. oh, I just am useless on the phone. Hi, just wondering. Um... <laughs> Much like the podcast, I'm sure you could all believe. <laughs> um, I am going to talk about Range Rovers now. i know i mention range rovers all the time um but we interestingly had two stories this week i thought it was interesting um most recently today we have um the new story watch now let's let's start with the other day the other day we had a story which said that range rovers were the most stolen and recovered car and then today we have a story saying the range rover sport um not sorry not the range rover range rover sport is the most stolen and recovered car and then today we have a story saying Range Rover owners in London are finding it impossible to get insurance cover. Um, I was looking at this on Twitter yesterday because people were tweeting about it. Someone had said, oh, this is absolute rubbish because I live in or near London. And I've been able to insure my Range Rover. And so many people were coming out and saying that they actually had found it impossible that they had to come back and said they just couldn't have insurance. And some people it was just so expensive um, then it was unreasonable i just i think this is again i thought this was shocking i don't know what you think what do you think batch um
1: i think it's a bit shocking that people are potentially not being able to insure their range rovers um i mean it's it's just it's a tricky one isn't it i mean uh, Mm. uh, you know how, how much do you you know do you believe that really is it or is it just just some people who have struggled to get insurance on their really nice cars. I don't know really, but um, or is 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 there? I don't know. To be to be perfectly honest, <laughs> with you, Becca, I can't stream this out much longer. I don't know. <laughs> there's a
2: stat. I'm just a link through from your story to the Autocaster story. And there's a stat in there about the from the DVLA about 2022 Range Rovers being the second most stolen car in the UK, where there are 5,200 taken.
0: Basically, we find um, of nice things
1: we
2: can't no. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> essentially i go I, I just wonder whether the um just the other story back of the um you know number stolen and then recovered i wonder whether they recovered from the side of the road
1: Ooh. oh dear <laughs> oh matt went there he actually yeah. went
2: there
0: didn't he i'm trying to be <laughs> vaguely nice but i'm not really I'm not really achieving that i'm not trying to be down on range rovers we just have a lot of negative news every week about range rovers yeah, I, I the thing yeah. i can't I mean, it's just it just must be
1: awful. I mean, having anything stolen is awful. But you know, if you if you've got finally got your Range Rover and you've waited like however long it is, you know, two years yeah. for production, and then it's all parked beautifully and shiny outside your house, and it's either stolen or you can't get insurance on it. I mean, you'd be really annoyed, wouldn't you? Really, mm. really annoyed. So, um, so there we are. Yeah,
0: it's just not the sort of news that dealers need, is it? Either now, can you imagine? Being in a dealership in London and thinking, oh hey, this isn't gonna help, is it? No. No, no so.
1: <clears> at <throat> all. Uh, Patch, what else have you got? Um, well, I've got my final story, um, which I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet, Becca. Oh, may, oh, you missed be, it. You'll be mentioning it now. It's the it's the it's the it's the Ferrari story, isn't it? It's the Dick Lovett story. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, I didn't really like I- the story. <laughs>
1: You didn't know. I say so I don't like this story either, but I thought it was perfect podcast material, really. Mm. um So for those who don't know, Dick Lovett has come in for a stinging criticism from a millionaire customer, who says he was ignored by staff when he visited a showroom wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> um, the man in question is Matt fides which I had to I had to Google how to pronounce his name actually. And when I did that, I unfortunately ended up on a, a video of Nigel Farage interviewing oh. Matt Fidesz on his oh. Talking Pints segment on GB News. But I purely watched it to work out the pronunciation of Matt's name. I do, I do, do promise you that. Um, but um, so, yeah, so, so Matt, who's who's very well known um, because uh, he was Michael Jackson's bodyguard at one point. Um, has where well, he's accused sales staff of snubbing him due to his outfit. Um, he's estimated net worth of 120 million pounds, um, and he turned up at the dealership wearing a red tracksuit bottoms and trainers. Um, and he says that he was uh, in the market to buy two Ferraris between 400 and 500 thousand pounds, and yet he was ignored. Um, so the thing that that sort of got me uh, interested in this is, uh, you know, we, you sort of you frequently hear these kinds of things, don't you, or or sort of on the grapevine that somebody's gone into a showroom and they've been ignored and what have you. I mean, how much of this is a stunt, or how much of this is actually mm-hmm. true? I, I really don't know, and especially in these days where you know everything and your small your the slightest move is captured on a smartphone isn't it um and one wrong move can have consequences you just have to be on your guard don't you now i'm not i'm not saying dick lovett's done anything wrong and i'm not saying matt Fidesz has done anything wrong but it just highlights the point of you know everybody's got to be on their guard haven't they and um perhaps a customer does come in and they don't look quite um how you'd expect them to you you've you've got to You've still, got to treat them as a customer, haven't you? The The thing that makes this difficult is that I would imagine Dick Lover in their fantastic showroom, it is a beautiful showroom they've got in Swindon. I bet they get all sorts of people turning up at their showroom, and um, you know, it's trying to work out who's a sensible, who's a serious customer or not is very, very difficult, isn't it?
0: Mm. One of the um, just to jump in, well, I can talk about all of the feedback we had on Facebook when this yes, um, was posted. I can imagine. Was um, so that one person said they would have rightly pointed out that in a dealership like that they are going to be working to appointments and people who just turn up mm. don't usually just turn up to buy a Ferrari. That is um, very true. Yeah, I laughed when uh, I've actually screenshot this because I thought it was so funny. Um, a post that Jamie put up saying, "If you've not been told by a punter about the day they went to buy a supercar and a tracksuit and got ignored, are you even in the motor trade? Yawn off." um we equally had someone else who said um that they um what was it are you even in the motor trade if you haven't heard this fifty thousand times (laughs) um which made me laugh as well um yeah
2: i uh, I think um so i've just made the mistake of clicking uh and doing what you did really googling him and looking on his instagram and i wonder why they filmed it so there's a post on there him wandering around the dealership but also then when you look at the post the text so here's apparently the Self-professed tracksuit millionaire, um, but then he talks about the post, blah 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 blah. Fine, don't prejudge people, and then it's a sales pitch for his own MF club with a structured approach to learning, transforming your life and career <laughs> with an online learning platform, with the price in there and a link to sign up. So in the same post, so I think there's probably more to this than, uh, than meets the eye. I
1: should,
2: I should, I should jump in here and, and give right of reply to Dick Lover
1: because we do include that in our story. Um, And uh, they say that they can confirm that Mr. Fides visited our dealership on Saturday. Upon arrival, he was initially greeted by a showroom host and following a brief delay due to high levels of showroom traffic. One of our sales teams spoke to him about a selection of our approved used Ferraris. Um, Dick Lovett prides itself on maintaining consistently high level of customer service for anyone who visits our show, regardless of their appearance or clothing. So, um, yeah, it may very well have been a stunt. I don't know, but um, I can imagine that this got quite a few dealers backs up who, like you say, Becca, have have heard this a million times, haven't they? And it's mm. it's a bit of a cliche thrown at the motor trade, isn't it? That uh, that you you wander into a showroom and, and you're ignored. Uh, sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. I wonder whether this case is actually as true as it seems.
2: Don't know. I think if you work in a Ferrari dealership, you probably learn that everybody could be a lottery winner. Um and yeah. it doesn't really matter what they're wearing because actually, if they're interested, they're interested. You don't really know where the cash is coming from—not um, in a dodgy way, but um, it's, you know, <laughs> making assumptions about people in a in a supercar showroom is probably something that they don't do. It's um, probably the one thing they really don't do. Mm. Yeah, I
0: would agree with that. I'm desperate to shoehorn in an anecdote now can I is this the anecdote Sh- episode
1: shoe, shoe, shoehorn away <laughs> this
0: is, and this is such a tangent because you reminded me talking about how he's actually he's got some program with his like 12 steps to success or whatever um I don't really want I can't name this person because um I think it might get me in trouble but there is an ex-car dealer who keeps promoting his program to me on Instagram I don't think he's going out and trying to do it specifically to me but this is someone who I wrote a story about when their company went bust and it was like quite threatening at the time and every time it comes up I think like you are not targeting the right people but the fact that he has I mean he has been on um, some big channels he's done I'm trying to be as unspecific as possible but I I keep seeing it, it keeps coming up and the people he has spoken to on his YouTube channel I'm just like amazed i haven't got a clue who you're talking about (laughs) i'll tell you afterwards i've been desperate to talk to someone about this can you tell (laughs) yeah i mean it's a long it's a long story things were going well we were friends they went bust didn't weren't very good friends i mean story of my life we like car dealers until they start ripping off customers and go bust and take all their money and then they sort of fall out with us for some reason i know terrible terrible
1: the life and times of working at car dealer magazine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to do my last story quickly because this has gone on for a very long it's time. It's going it? on for very. I'm oh, sorry, many Matt. anecdotes.
1: Sorry, sorry Matt, it, 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 sorry, this Matt. doesn't normally go on this long. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, this is the story we've talked about a lot on the podcast. Um, but about the team from SUV Prestige going to the Ukraine, the story, um, they had a journalist who went over with, them um, called Richard. He's written, um, kind of roundup, of everything that happened, um, called I drove to the Ukraine with used car dealer SUV prestige and donated a pickup to the war efforts. And if you go into that, there is now, um, SUV Prestige's video where they have actually doc- they've done a little mini documentary about the whole thing, um, interviewing lots of people and about the whole adventure, which is, that is what held me up earlier. That is why I was distracted from um, looking for my stories because I was um, watching the little documentary. Very interesting. Worth having a look if you get a chance. That's it.
1: Great. Nice little plug there for Magazine.co.uk.
0: Yes, head <laughs> over there. So that's the end of our stories. Matt, who do you think had the best stories?
2: Well, uh, I guess there's a, there's a lot in there, isn't there? There's a lot in there. But I um, and, a, and a, I love the fact that the AI one's driving back a little bit mental. Um, Something <laughs> story. Um, I, sorry, I'm sorry, Matt.
1: Matt, Matt, can I just interrupt here, just for the <laughs> sake of the listener, for the sake of the listener, we we do this on Zoom, okay? And the audio is taken from Zoom, and then it's put into it's fed into whatever machine Becca has. I goodness only knows.
0: <laughs> Matt has,
1: Matt has turned his camera off throughout all of this, and. <laughs> specifically for this, mo- this moment of judgment he doesn't have to look either of us in the face well he, he can
2: we can't yeah. see him so there he is
0: oh,
2: he's <laughs> <back>. <laughs> i can't see either of you though because your cameras are off i'm happy to look you in the eye well i don't know where the camera is but it's there okay. somewhere. all right um there you go. please continue, um, I-, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I think the stories about reductions are always going to drive and um, drive things but um given that we are literally on the anniversary of the um the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia, uh, without making any comment about that. I think the story about the uh, about prestige SUV prestige uh, taking their car to Ukraine gets my vote today for fairly obvious reasons. I think.
0: Yes, I love how I snuck that in at the last minute. Becca, this yeah, is I think
2: you win. Actually, I think that's another win for you. Sorry, Pat.
1: Well, this is cheating because you just <laughs> you just you just mentioned it. You didn't pass any comment on it or anything. It wasn't up for discussion, was it? Like like is the point of the game. You do just you want to discuss it, it now, now you've won now you've won
0: unbelievable <laughs> we could have not, discussed it I'm i just didn't think anymore. we wanted to chew over the the eco-political issues we <laughs> are not going
1: to do this podcast anymore it's a setup every <laughs> single week
0: oh <laughs> yeah i do always think it's a bit when i'm hosting as well i just shouldn't win <laughs> anyway well, well done
1: becca well done well done thank well done. you well done congratulations
0: thank yeah you. thank you matt for joining yeah. us today i appreciate the win wholeheartedly <laughs> thank you batch for coming along even though you've hated it um, and thank you for listening if you've made it this far through all of our random anecdotes um, then well done if you want to find out more about any of the stories we have mentioned today you can click on the links in the show notes or you can head over to car dealer magazine and find them all sat there We will be back again next week. So don't forget to hit subscribe. You'll get
2: notification as soon as the next episode goes live. But until then, goodbye.